Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. One of our core values is freedom. That's what I get to teach on. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what gets me up in the morning is getting to see people set free by the power of Jesus Christ. And the reason why it gets me up in the morning, because I was once a girl who was bound, who grew up in church her whole life, who made some mistakes, who was bound in shame, who was set free by the power of Jesus Christ. And in my adult life, have had experiences where I was bound and set free by the power of Jesus Christ, because that is what he does. We heard that in the baptism videos today. I'm so grateful for your bold move of obedience, because it is, it's a step of obedience in scripture to be water baptized. And so I want to thank you for sharing your story In Revelations, it says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimonies. So when we share our story, the enemy loses power. And that's why we share what God has done for us. But I I wanna say thank you all to my Summit family. You all are so incredible. Um, As many of you know, over a month ago, I went home to Texas to see my family because it had been a while since my girls and I had been there. My dad was also scheduled for a surgery, and so I had planned to stay a little bit longer to help my mom care for him, make sure he was okay. And um, he had surgery four weeks ago this past Friday, And the surgeon came out after the surgery and said, everything went great. Um, He's in recovery. You're going to get to see him soon. And then we waited. And then the surgeon came back with a much different look on his face and said, he's not waking up. I took him to a CT scan. He has a clot at the base of his brain stem. We've rushed him into emergency surgery with another neurosurgeon. We're going to try to save his life. And uh, we waited. And then that neurosurgeon, who I believe was a follower of Jesus, came out and said, we were successful to remove the clot, but time will tell. You need to be praying for a miracle. A few hours later, an MRI revealed that my dad had experienced a massive stroke during surgery and he would not recover. Wasn't expecting that that day, but what I do know is the last month of being with my mom and helping her get things settled and taken care of um, is I have experienced the presence of God in the midst of pain. He is my firm foundation. So when I get up here and do this, I think, oh, I won't share all these things. It's a little too much. But I can't help but speak from a place of realness, of authenticity, of why I put my faith and my hope in Jesus Christ. This isn't just a job to me. This is everything to me. I have seen the goodness of God in the midst of pain in the last four weeks, and I wish I could stand here and tell you miracle after miracle after miracle that only God can do in the last four weeks. He is good. He is faithful. And what I know is I'm so thankful that my dad served Jesus that I have no doubt that when I am standing over here worshiping that I can actually picture my earthly father in the heavens standing before Jesus worshiping him too. That is peace. That is an incredible gift and why it matters, why faith matters, why Jesus matters. He is our hope. And it matters how we live our days. My dad was one that um, he was divorced at a young age. 
and he was raised in church his whole life. Um, but I believe that because of the shame of divorce, it wasn't something you know he was ever taught <laughs> to do, um, he stayed away from church. And it kept him from entering the doors. He, he, he you know, really withdrew from his faith in Jesus. Um, and, I, and I really do believe it was just out of shame. He was so embarrassed and felt like if he came in the doors that people would judge him. And, and you know, I don't know what all he felt. I just know he stayed away. So my mom would bring my sister and I to church by herself at a really young age. And um, it was an Easter Sunday and um, I was about five years old. And I went in and talked to my dad and said, Daddy, will you please come to church today in my five-year-old way? Uh, my mom just tells me the story. I don't remember it. But my dad said yes that day. And that day he came forward and he gave his life to Jesus. And from that day forward, he made sure we were in church as a family every time the doors were open. And I'm so thankful for that. When I was in college, my dad started um, going on mission trips. And I saw that hardworking, a little bit of prideful man begin to soften. I saw him long to be doing missions work. And I saw my dad using his gifts. See, my dad was a genius, he truly was. He used his gifts for the kingdom of God. I am so thankful that my dad experienced the freedom that only Christ can give. See, I see too many Christians who are saved who are sitting in churches all over the place and you're going to heaven but are still in captivity. See, Christians may look like we have it all together from the outside, but so often I find in conversations that I've had over the decades that I've been doing this is that we can look good on the outside, we can be checking all of the boxes, but we're crumbling on the inside and we're still trapped in our own prison. I know the stories of, of individuals who are, are longing for something or who are carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders and so instead of fully surrendering their hearts to Jesus, they'll drink to get through the day. Or they'll rely on a pill and I'm not saying medication doesn't have its place. Please understand, I believe that it does. But I'm talking about abuse here. See, I believe that there are negative Nancys filling churches today that, that just see the world as a place that is terrible and they let you know about it all of the time. Gossip slander, anger. I just sense sometimes that there's this, there's underlying anger in some of us that are just, it's just like below the surface constantly. And then when the right moment hits, it just explodes and comes out. See, I believe that this is not the life that Christ desired for us. Yes, we will have pain on this earth. It's guaranteed, we are humans. Yes, we will have suffering on this earth. Jesus said, as followers of Jesus, we will suffer as he suffered. But John Eldridge says, Christianity is a love story set amid war. And what that means is in the midst of turmoil and chaos here on this earth, we get to experience a God that radically loves us. We get to experience a God of peace. See, in heaven, it's going to be constant peace. In heaven, it's going to be constant joy. We will know no pain. We will know no sorrow. We will know no destruction. It's perfection. But here on this earth is where we get to experience the presence of God in the midst of suffering. It's where we get to say, oh my goodness, I see the hand of God in this situation. I see the hand of God in this. We don't 
We get a gift here on this earth that Jesus didn't just come to save you and he did ultimately. He came to make sure that you're in right relationship with him and to die for your sins and to pay a price that you could not pay. But he also came to give you abundant life. He came to give you a life that is filled with joy, one that is marked by his presence, one that is marked by his peace. So what does freedom look like to you? I'm not talking about political freedom here, by the way. I think in America, that's where we automatically go is political freedom. I'm talking about a freedom that anyone can have regardless of their political circumstances. I'm talking about a freedom that you could have in a literal prison. What does freedom look like for you individually? If you were totally free, here on this earth, what would that look like to you? See, freedom is when we respond fully to God out of who he created and redeemed us to be. It's what Robert Morris says. See, before you were even born, he thought of you. He knit you together in your mother's womb with a plan and a purpose. It doesn't matter what your, your, your birth story is, he knit you together with a plan and a purpose. And he created you to know him and to love him. And he created you to live a life marked by him. So when we experience true freedom in Christ, it is as if for the first time we recognize who we are always created to be. In the book of Galatians, Paul was teaching a group of followers that about their faith in Jesus and, and telling them, hey, listen, remember, it's not about all the rules and the legalism. If you'll remember a few months ago, we did a series on the book of Romans and we're gonna be finishing it this fall. I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's so freeing to know that we don't have to work our way to heaven. It's by grace and faith alone that we are able to be saved. So he was reminding them of this. Hey, you don't have to follow all of these legal rules that these religious followers are telling you you have to follow. You have to surrender your life to Jesus. You have to put your faith and your hope in him, but you don't have to check all the boxes. And then these Jewish followers came along and they said, hey, no, 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 no. What they're teaching you, faith in Jesus Christ, that's not a thing, like you need to be circumcised, you need to do X, Y, and Z in order to be in right standing with God. So Paul is circling back around here and he's saying, I'm gonna remind you of truth right now. By faith you are saved. By faith you are saved. And then he instructs them in Galatians 5.1, so Christ has truly set us free. Now, Make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. The word free here in the Greek means to liberate, to exempt from moral, ceremonial, or mortal liability, to deliver, make free. See, Christ came to set you free. He came to liberate your soul. He came to liberate you from anything that entangles you. So how do we get free? How do we get free? Well, one, freedom is found in Christ and Christ alone. See, freedom is a gift freely given to you. Freedom is a gift that Jesus is just saying, hey, it's yours. It's yours for the taking. Be free in Jesus' name. See, we aren't to strive to freedom. We aren't to try harder. I lived my life, so much of my life, just trying so hard. <laughs> but when we know what Jesus has done for us and we understand that we don't have to strive for it, we can rest knowing we are free. We are free from having to earn our way. See, so often we think that we have to be cleaned up before we come to Jesus and he's just here to like, you know, clean us up. But the thing is, is Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. See, what I heard in all of these baptism stories are people that were dead, that were trying to fill their lives with all of the things and, and none of it was working. It was leaving them empty and hopeless. 
but Jesus made them alive. And there are too many Christians sitting in churches all over America, America not experiencing the abundant life that Jesus has come to die for, that he died for, that he rose again for. In Luke 4, 18 through 19, there's, um, so in Isaiah, it's a whole book of prophecies, and Isaiah 61 is a prophecy about the coming Messiah, about what he would do, about the importance of his life. And so Jesus, in the book of Luke, he was just starting to like reveal himself as the Messiah, and it says he was sitting in a temple, and he took the scroll, and he stood up, and he took the scroll of Isaiah 61. And this is where he makes his big declaration of who he is. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then he sat down after making this big proclamation and the people were like, who does he think he is? Is he really the Messiah? Is he saying he's the Messiah? But he was. See, I want to present to you today that the same Jesus that said back then, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He is the same Jesus that he was then and he still is today. So we just heard Pastor Steph share about this man who was demon-possessed, who was set free only by the name of Jesus. Because you know what that demon had to do? It had to bow. Because at the name of Jesus, every other name has to bow. Jesus came for you to be free. He didn't just pay a price for your salvation, although he longs to spend eternity with you. He paid a price for your freedom here on this earth and for you to live an abundant life. See, the last thing we need are miserable Christians walking the face of this planet. We need Christians who have come alive to share the hope and the goodness and the grace of God. My mom, um, my mom, you know, it's just like rocked her world. It, they were, my parents were married for 47 years. So my mom is, is full of faith and she's just the most precious woman on the planet. None of you can beat her. She's just incredible. And if you know her, you know that to be true. But so we, we went to the bank how, a few weeks ago and my dad handled everything financially. So my mom had never even been to the bank by herself, you know, really. It was overwhelming to her to try to learn all of this and retain it. And, you know, she was pretty emotional at the bank. And the banker was so kind and like asked my mom if she could give her a hug and, you know, this total stranger. But And then she sent us on to another banker. And I can't even tell you like how it happened or why it happened other than my mom needed to know that day that she was in good hands. So this banker, the, success, the successful banker who was probably in his late 40s, opens his mouth and starts sharing his story of how God set him free. Random. But he just starts talking and he tells my mom, 18 months ago, I drank all day and all night to get through the day. 18 months ago, I was desperate. 18 months ago, that's how I survived. And then I encountered Jesus and I surrendered my life to him and I got baptized at my church. And I'm living differently as a father now. I'm leading my family differently. And you know, it's just what my mom needed to know that she was in the hands of a godly man, but I can't tell you the stories of freedom that I've gotten to hear, we called a realtor because my mom lives on 32 acres and, and they've lived there a long time, but she can't take care of it. And so we're exploring options there and we called a realtor and the realtor said, I lost my husband 16 years ago. I lead grief share at my church. Will you come join me? 
And then she brings in her property realtor, who's this very successful man in his 50s, who's also a real estate developer. And he's sitting on the couch, just so kindly and patiently listening to my mom. And then he opens his mouth and he says, I would be dead if it weren't for Jesus. He set me free nine years ago. And I was like, man, thank you for sharing your story. And he said, no, you don't understand. I would literally be dead if it weren't for Jesus. He is my everything. Again, exactly what my mom needed, but I'm hearing these successful men, these older, older, and they're not old. I'm 43 now, no, 44. I don't know how old I am. I just had a birthday, but 40 is not old. And I'm hearing these successful men who are admitting their need for Jesus and admitting the freedom that they've experienced all of these years because that is what our God does. That is what our God does. So today I want you to hear a story of a man here in our church who went through our freedom class. During the freedom class on week five, we talked about things, the four things that keep the Holy Spirit from moving in our heart. And during that time, um, one of those things was bitterness and un unforgiveness. And so um, as I was praying, Pastor Todd challenged us to pray and seek the Holy Spirit to maybe what was in our hearts or things, you know, he talked about God peeling our heart like an onion. So as I began to pray, God was showing me that I had some unforgiveness, some bitterness in my heart. And he showed me that the reason I was having um, issues with anger and, you know, blowing up and getting angry about small things that would happen was I need to forgive some some people and release that in my heart. So that began the process of healing for me. You know, I didn't realize I had to forgive those people, um, certain people in my heart. So as, as I released that to the Lord and gave it to the Holy Spirit, um, I think the change came uh, a little bit after the conference when some, that one of these people asked me to come. They're having some issues and asked me to pray over their house and minister to them. So that was a great opportunity. God just opened that door and that was sort of the point where I knew that I had been released from that. I had given that fully to the Lord. Freedom is a great place to come, have a safe um, group of people that you can share things with. And it just allows God to come in and just move. Um, another example is like uh, a lot of the ladies shared about how their father impacted them good or, and negative. And that really touched me because I have three daughters. You know, I want to deal with these issues. I want to inspire my kids to live and help them. You know, even though we're dealing with something, he is, he is faithful for, you know, to help us to walk through it. You know, he just doesn't give up on us. He is always in encouraging us and, and giving us that opportunity to, to come to him and give this stuff to him so we can be closer with him. I'm not done and God's not done. And he's there for us. And, you know, tomorrow's a new day. I'm so grateful for Casey and his family. He was here um, last night. But you know, I think so many of us can relate to him. And Casey was a man of God. He, he was a man of God and following Jesus. And, but the Holy Spirit was just so faithful to reveal some things to him, some, some ways that he was in bondage to unforgiveness and anger. And the thing is, is that God only reveals to heal. He only brings things to, to the surface for us to, to set us free from it, not, not to entangle us, not to control us. He does it because he's a loving, loving father. And so often pride keeps us from really being able to take a look at our lives and, and truly see the areas that we are in bondage. So many walk in shame. I know that was one of my biggest things. I just wore like a blanket of shame and the statement constantly went through my head of, well, if they only knew what I'd really done, if they only knew what I really was like, if they only knew the sins I had committed, then they wouldn't love me. But I carried that shame over to God and I carried and I put that on him. But the thing is, is he loved me no matter what. He loved me no matter what, and he was just waiting for me to come to him and realize my brokenness and admit that I needed him. See, so often when we experience pain in our life, we numb ourselves. 
You know, we numb ourselves in so many different ways to avoid the feelings of pain because no one enjoys feeling pain. But with that, when we numb ourselves, we numb joy. We numb happiness. We numb love. We numb gratitude. And we are then miserable looking for happiness and meaning. And then we begin to feel shame again. And then we numb again. See, we can be in bondage and not even realize it. So what is bondage? Bondage is anything, anything that keeps you from living in the fullness that God intends for you to be. And I ask you, are you living a full life submitted to God? Do you really experience his presence? See, what happens when we are free is you can be a junior high or a high school student in the midst of chaos. I remember the days I also have two girls who are in the chaos. But you know what? Because you are a carrier of the presence of God, you can walk into your school with the carrier, as a carrier of the presence of God. And you can change the atmosphere. IUP students, you can walk into your classrooms, you can walk into the homes on campus, you can walk into an atmosphere knowing that you are a carrier of the presence of God and the atmosphere shifts. Dads, you are a carrier of the presence of God in your home. Are you taking it seriously? Are you remembering that, that you can shift the atmosphere because you carry his presence? See, in order to get out of bondage, we have to first recognize that we have an enemy. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, stay alert. He says, keep watch. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, I think sometimes when we become Christians, we can just be like, okay, I'm saved, good. Done. And then we just walk along through life and, and don't really submit our lives to him. Don't really surrender our everything to him. And so we can be walking along and, and all of a sudden we think we're good. I'm good. I'm saved. I've got it. I'm going to heaven. That's all that really matters. But we stay entangled in our sin. And we have friends around us, hopefully, in godly community that are saying, hey, 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 hey. Watch out, there's, there's a really big pit coming because there's a lion who seeks to devour you. He's going to take you out. It may seem good right now. It may seem like a lot of fun. It may seem really enjoyable, but you are going to end up in a pit and not know how to get out of it. Stay alert. So often I ignored those promptings from godly people in my life when I was a teenager and I fell into the pit face first and had to do a heck of a lot of work to get out of it. And then I realized that Jesus came to set me free and that he put people in my life to set, help set me free. See, there's a process that our hearts become captured and enslaved by the devil. And so I want you to pay attention to these things today First, the enemy inflicts a wound. There's a difficult loss. There's painful circumstances. There's a traumatic event. There's abuse, neglect. I mean, the list can go on. None of us are exempt from pain. We've all experienced wounds in our life, right? If you have never experienced any type of pain, I want to meet you afterwards. You're like an anomaly or a miracle. Um... But then what happens is those wounds become infected with lies. They become infected with false beliefs. And we begin to think things like, God has abandoned me too. I'm a failure. No one cares about me. It's up to me to look out for me. And then what happens is Satan begins to repeat those lies so much in our mind that they become truth that we become in, into agreement with them. There's a book uh, by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters, and it's all about how the enemy just like puts it on tape in our minds, and we just rehearse and rehearse and rehearse until it becomes our truth. And so we make agreement with them as if they are truth. 
I'm on my own now. There is no hope. I can't live without it. I can't live without them. This is all I deserve. I, I don't deserve anything. We make these lies and agreements. And then what happens is once agreements are made, vows are soon to follow and begin to make statements like, I will never again, I will never again step foot into a church. I will never again let anyone control me Except what happens is when we do that, we become the one who controls. I will never let anyone reject me again. But then what happens is we put this barrier around our hearts and our lives that we become the one who is doing the rejecting. See why inner vows are so dangerous is because it makes us God we begin to have the final say over our lives and we begin to control who and who cannot enter our lives. It's good to have boundaries, let me clarify that. Healthy boundaries are good and our vows are not. I loved my daddy and I don't know why I'm sharing this in this service, but I'm supposed to. I loved my father. He was not perfect, as I am not a perfect mom, as none of you are perfect parents. I will always say, at some point, my kids might have to go to therapy for something I've said, because like, we're human, right? None of us are Jesus. But I realized early on in marriage, after I would respond to Mel in ways that were uncalled for, I couldn't figure out why, like it didn't make any sense why I was responding the way I was to him. And then I began to go through a freedom process and I got to this inner vows part and I realized I made some inner vows in, in relation to some father wounds that I had towards my dad. But you know what the good news is? I got free. You know what the good news is? is I forgave my dad. I walked through healing with my dad. I let him off the hook. And I experienced the love of my heavenly father. See, inner vows can affect you in ways that you have no idea until you're actually free from them. It changes who you are when you're free. See, because when we have these inner vows, we, we put on this false self and we have a distorted view about who we are and then we mask ourselves, and we wear them around to cover who we truly were created to be. I'm so thankful that I have a story that I got to walk out with my dad. I realize that some of you in here, like, Kim, it's too late for me. He's gone. No. Jesus has the final word, and you can be free, whether your dad is still living or not. Whether your mom is still living or not, you can be free in Jesus' name. See, my mom has macular degeneration. Her eyesight has gotten really bad, and a few months ago, she called me and she said, I don't think I should drive anymore. She's only six, she just turned 69, she's young. I don't think I should drive anymore, Kim. I, my eyesight has just gotten so bad. And, I, you know, she was really grieving that. And then, um, and then she went to her ophthalmologist, and her ophthalmologist said, no, 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 no. Um, you know, your eyesight's not great, but you can still drive. And with the right glasses, you can, you'll still be able to drive and see. But you, you can't use the Walmart prescription glasses anymore. Like you can't go to them because they don't have the, the technology that, that I do, that the places that I use, they don't have the technology. Now you're going to pay more for them, but you're going to be able to see, but you have to not use the Walmart version. So my mom said she paid a, a lot of money for these new glasses, but she could see. See, that's what Jesus does for us when he sets us free. See, so many of you are using the Walmart version of Jesus that you've made up in your minds 
The Jesus that doesn't have very much power to set you free, but when you actually give him the power that he is worthy of and you realize he is the God of all of the universe, that he died on the cross and rose for you for your healing and your wholeness, and you exchange the Walmart version Jesus for the new Jesus, the Jesus who was and is and is to come, you are free in Jesus' name. You see with new lenses. God's truth is more powerful to free you than your truth is to hold you in captivity. Number three, real quick, freedom is found in repentance. See, when we realize that we're broken and we need Jesus, which we all do, we should never get to a place in our lives where we think that we don't need him. That will not exist here on this earth. As long as you're living and breathing and walking on this earth, you will need Jesus. When we ever get to a point where we think we can do it without him, it's a dangerous place to be. So I make repentance a daily part of my day because I have been several times at the place where I have thought, I've got this. I'm good. I read my Bible every day. I go to a small group every day. But then I'm not in true intimate relationship with him. I'm not asking him to search my heart. I'm not asking for forgiveness. I'm not repenting for how I spoke to my kids or my husband that day. So I make repentance a daily part of my day now because I realize that repentance isn't just a change in behavior. It's a change in how you see. Again, it's exchanging the Walmart version of glasses. It's a new source. It's a new truth. It's a, a new source of comfort. And David throughout the Psalms, I'm not going to read them all, but all throughout the Psalms, David pours his heart out to God because he knows that without Jesus, he makes a lot of mistakes. David made a lot of mistakes and he knew his humanness. So he would pour out his heart to God, the father. And in Psalm 41 through three, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. He turned to me, he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a solid ground and he steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. See, David made a lot of mistakes. David had to learn the hard way. But what David did not do was begin to make inner vows. Instead, he surrendered his life to God and he said, Jesus, Jesus wasn't there yet, but he was there, but not on the earth yet. God, search my heart. Show me the ways that, that I don't see, that, that I need to surrender. And then what did he do? He saw God show up for him. He saw God change his story. See, some of you are so afraid to bring your stuff to Jesus because you're afraid he's going to break you. You're afraid he's going to respond the way that humans can tend to respond, and that's harshly. And I'm sorry for that. But Jesus doesn't respond harshly. He is passionate about sin. He is passionate about the enemy not having a say in our lives. He has righteous anger over that. But when we come to him with our brokenness, when we repent to him, he shows us such kindness. He just says, I've been waiting for you. And I have such a better life for you. Man, I have such a better story for you. See, we take off our guard and we come out of hiding and we let him see who we truly are, even though he already knows it. But there's something about admitting it to him. And we cry out to him and we ask him to search our heart. Know that he only reveals things to you to heal you, not to slap you. He reveals to heal. There's a story of Jacob and Esau. Again, didn't share this in the last service, but feel like I'm supposed to in this one. And if you don't know the story, they were brothers. They did not like each other at all. There was family drama, even in scripture. Lots of it. You're not alone. But the they were brothers and Jacob stole Esau's birthright, which was a big deal. And Esau was begging his dad Isaac to give him a blessing. And this is what Isaac's response was in Genesis 27, 40. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. 
when you decide to break free. See, Jesus doesn't force us to do anything. But when we decide that we want to be free, when we decide that we want to break free and live the abundant life that he has given us, the yoke, the heaviness, the weight, all of it is going to come off in Jesus' name. And it goes on to say that Esau initially responded with hatred in his heart and he, he made plans to kill Jacob. But then we see in chapter 33 that Esau, where he decided to break free and their relationship was reconciled. Jesus doesn't give us what we had before, but he creates something new from our brokenness. In order to find freedom, you have to be in community. This is my final point. When you've been hurt, the greatest temptation you will face is to shut yourself off. I get it. I've been there. The last four weeks, I've been there. Anna and I have received like a stack of cards so high and phone calls and texts from you all. I'm so grateful for your love. But when I'm in pain, I naturally just want to sit on the couch and do nothing. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to let anyone in because I'm going to cry. But what does that do for me? It doesn't do much, right? But the, our initial response is to isolate ourselves from God and others, and we, we hide and we self-protect. But self-protection is the number one stumbling block to keep us from your purpose and your calling. See, God has a purpose and a calling for your life. And when you choose to isolate and self-protect instead of open yourself up to others and to him, you are keeping yourself for the purpose that he has called you to. Freedom is found in community. See, healing and freedom are a continual process. I believe that if you are addicted today, you can be set free. Because I have witnessed it, there are people in this room that have been instantly set free from drug addiction, from alcohol addiction, from porn addiction, from all kinds of addictions. Because that is what Jesus can do. He can set you free in Jesus' name in an instant. He can do that. But freedom is always a continual process because you're gonna end up getting hurt over something again. And that's why it's important to stay in repentance with God and stay in relationship with him so you can process that before him. But, but the importance of community, I can't reiterate it enough. It's wonderful that you're sitting here in church today. I'm glad you're here. I want you to be here. It's one of the most important parts of your week, right? It gets your week set right. But you need to be in community with godly believers because what happens is when you start to think you've got it, you start to get near that pit where you can't see it because you're enjoying life, who's around you that's saying, hey, 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 danger, don't go there. Who do you have when you're not in godly community? You don't have anyone because your other friends certainly are telling, they're like, go for it. Go in the pit. I'll go with you. Right? Gil, I, I want you to come up here. I want you to pick up all of that luggage all at once and take it to the other side of the stage. I believe you can do it. Just try, try really hard to get it all. Gil, come on, like. <laughs> so Gil obviously cannot carry all this luggage by himself. That's why he needs community to um, help him. So see, this is so often what we do in life. We're carrying the burdens of our family. We're carrying the burdens of our health. We're carrying the burdens of the immense amount of pressure at school. We're carrying all of the burdens because we think we're supposed to. But we're doing it by ourselves and pride is keeping you from asking community to come alongside of you. But pride will take you out. It will take you out. Can I tell you what's at stake without you being in godly community? Freedom. Future generations being free. Fathers in the room. 
You have a responsibility to lead your family in a godly way. It made the whole difference for my life. Later on in life, my dad started making all of us hold hands at the dinner table. And we were all really annoyed by it because <laughs> it wasn't something we did growing up. We were like, okay, dad wants to hold hands. And I look back now and I'm like, man, I wish I could hold his hand at the dinner table today and pray. It matters how we live our lives. It matters that we live a life free here on this earth. It matters that we live an abundant life. And if you think that you can't be free, you've believed a lie. In fact, you've made an inner vow. You have proclaimed over your life that you can never be free. And that is going to be broken today in Jesus' name. Mamas that are so overwhelmed, that are taking that glass of wine or multiple glasses of wine every single day to get through it, Jesus has something better for you. They're gonna see a new mom that may not have it together all the time, but they're gonna see a mom that relies on Jesus for her strength that is free in Jesus' name. Students that just have that anger bubbling and at any moment you're gonna explode at your friends or your family, Jesus wants to set you free today in Jesus' name. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We let pride from telling our godly community what's really going on. But again, what's the cost of that? It affects your family. It affects your friendships, it affects your job. What if that simple act of being in God the community and beginning to tell people what's going on in your life and begin, beginning to confess some things, like I wouldn't be able to survive without Jesus and my friends that are godly, because I can openly admit to them, hey, today I, I was under so much stress, I lost it. See, there's healing that comes when we are in community and ask one another to pray for us. Find a community who will relate to your problem and your promise, not someone who will just wallow with you. Your friends that just get in the pit with you and stay there and keep you there, they've gotta go. I'm not saying you can't be friends with them to some extent, but they can't be your main people. Your life is at stake because of it. Your family is at stake because of it. You've got to find godly community. So I want to encourage you, sign up for a small group. Sign up for Freedom Gra Class, not Freedom Grass. And don't, we don't want that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Jesus, help me. <laughs> That's not where we're going, people. <laughs> I'd love for everyone in this room to bow your heads and close your eyes. Those of you joining us online, Blairsville, I love you more than you know, so honored to be your pastor. Maybe you say today, Kim, I, I do not follow Jesus, but I know that I need to. I want the freedom that you've talked about. I want to know that my salvation is secured, but I ultimately want to live a life here on this earth that is full of purpose and marked. Maybe you are one that was raised in church your whole life, but you allowed church hurt or maybe your own sin. Maybe you just made some vows that you wouldn't come back into that relationship or be in church and you're here today. And you say, Kim, I, I know that I need to surrender my life. The way I've been doing it, it hasn't been working. And I want to follow Jesus the rest of my days. How we live our lives matters for eternity. So if you're in the room today and you say, I want to follow Jesus, 
I want to make that commitment today to follow him. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I need him to make me whole. Would you just raise your hand across this room? Yes, I see you. Thank you. So many, yeah, so many. Thank you. I see you. You can put your hands down. Everyone will just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me whole. Set me free. I want to follow you all of the days of my life. I need your presence. I need you, Jesus. I choose you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's celebrate with those who gave their lives to the Lord today. Hey, listen, I, I want to know about your decision because again, can't do this thing on your own. You can try, but you need to be in community. We want to resource you, um, get you tools to help you in your walk and your journey with him. So I would love to know that you made the decision today. If you would text the word Summit PA to the number 94,000 and then hit the salvation prompt. You can also fill out that salvation card that's in the seat back in front of you on one side. It's first time guest on the other side, it's salvation. But fill that out. You can drop it off at our info center. If you don't have a Bible, they would love to give you one and also some materials to help you on your journey. There's no shame in making a decision to follow Jesus. That shame is gone. It's a celebration. So do that for me today. Hey, listen. For the rest of us in the room, I just want you to be bold. And if you say, I know there are areas in my life that I need to be free in Jesus' name, would you just raise your hand? Yeah, most of the room. And my hand is raised. What we're gonna do right now is I want you to stand, everybody in this room, I want you to stand. We're gonna go into one final moment of worship. I don't want you to leave. This is a holy moment between you and God. Your lunch can wait. Don't leave here without saying, Jesus set me free. I give you this today. They're gonna be prayer team in the front of this room and staff and myself. If you need prayer for anything, again, there's freedom and agreement with someone else. We've had so many people come forward in the other services for prayer. Don't leave here today without praying. But in this moment of worship, I just want you to worship Jesus for who he is and that he is the one that came to give you life and life abundantly. We love you more than you know. Mel and I are so honored to be your pastors.